We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're re-watching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Bronco Billy on June 11th, 1980. It was written by Dennis Hacken, directed by Clint Eastwood, and released by Warner Brothers. Sandra Locke married gay sculptor Gordon Lee Anderson in 1967. The same year, she won a nationwide talent search for a role in The Heart is a Lonely Hunter opposite Alan Arkin. The performance garnered Oscar and Golden Globe nominations for a supporting role. Gay sculptor? Yep. <laughs> and I don't mean that he sculpted gay people. I mean that he was gay, but they were married. Sandra Locke met Clint Eastwood as his love interest in The Outlaw Josie Wales in 1975. That's when they shot it. It came out in 76. They soon moved in together and co-starred in six films. While she was directing her second feature, Impulse, in 1989, Eastwood changed the locks on their Bel Air home and put all her things in storage. The Sandra locks. <laughs> You're right there with me. <laughs> you knew you had to know that was coming. No, I'm not that smart. After a high-profile palimony case, which is what they call it when you're filing for alimony for someone you were not married to, Eastwood settled out of court by setting up a film development-slash-directing pact at Warner Brothers. In 1995, she sued Eastwood again, alleging that the deal was a sham and that Warner Brothers had passed on all 30 of her story pitches, never attaching her to direct anything. Again, the suit was settled out of court, and for once, Locke was not screwed over by the deal and seemed fairly pleased. She only appeared in three more films after their separation and produced a number of titles, including an Eli Roth film I'd somehow never heard of called Knock Knock, starring Keanu Reeves. Oh, that yeah. familiar? That's pretty recent, isn't it? It is recent, but I somehow totally missed that one. That happens with Eli Roth movies now. Ever since, like, Hostel, I kind of fell off Yeah, it's like these, him. these two, like, young girls show up at his house. Like, I don't know if like, they, they say, oh, we need to use a phone, but then they're like, they're like psychologically torturing him i think yeah i think way. i think the genre on imdb was like erotic thriller but somehow i just totally missed that one I, I know there was like the one the green inferno and the house with a clock in its walls but i guess knock knock was in there too according to her death certificate she was still married to gordon anderson at the time of her passing bronco billy marked their fourth film together after josie wales the gauntlet and every which way but loose did he direct all the ones that were starring her as well? No, not all of them. Okay, he just had enough pull to get her in there. Right. Um, he didn't direct Josie Wales, I don't think. I'm not sure. Well, but that's where they met, right? Right. So correct. I'm just saying Maybe ab- he did after they met, was, was, was he directing everything that she was in? I don't know if he was directing it, but he was producing and she was in only his movies. Yeah. Uh, I think she did a movie without him in like 77. I forget what it was called, but... Other than that, everything was a co-starring with Clint Eastwood role. So I'm, I'm getting word now that he did direct uh, The Outlaw Josie Wales. Both Eastwood and Locke consider this film a personal favorite of all the films they've worked on. Not just together, but in their entire careers. 
Scatman Crothers put it second place after the King of Marvin Gardens. So not One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest Wait, or The Shining. Really? Interesting. The, the man cried in the behind the scenes about how much he loved working on The Shining. Maybe he does that on all his sets. I don't know. <laughs> it was shot in less than six weeks, coming in two to four weeks under schedule and under budget. Wow. Considering yeah. how long the movie is and how much random footage there is, I'm surprised that they shot it so quickly i think they had an easier time because it was largely shot in idaho where they could just get everything they needed out in a field somewhere they didn't need to like lock down locations and keep people out oh, yeah, of the they just set. put this tent wherever <laughs> sandra Locke earned a razzie nomination for this performance but really? she did not receive the razzie it wasn't it wasn't bad i didn't think so we start with time lapse as a circus tent is pitched beside a river Oh my god, the song that plays on the opening credits yeah. is so weird. It's about clowns and cowboys and yeah. how okay, they're everyone's I just heroes. Wanna, I, I pulled up the lyrics just so I could read you a few of these. <laughs> okay. Ladies take to cowboys like kids take to clowns. They both love them without asking why. They're those come on looks and laughter. And when it comes time to leaving town, it seems nobody cares enough to cry. Ladies take to cowboys like kids take to clowns. They both love them without asking why. There's those come on looks and laughter. But when it's time for leaving town, seems nobody cares enough to cry. Everybody Did John Wayne Gacy write this? I don't song? know. It's really creepy. That's very <laughs> I, weird. I had the volume down a little lower when I was watching it, and when it says, as kids take the clowns, I thought it said guns. And I was like, what? <laughs> no, no, it's just as weird. It's clowns. But then they also say, you're everybody's hero. Whose hero is a clown? There's a few people. They're called gamers. Doc Lynch introduces a Wild West show. He intros Big Eagle, the great-great-grandson of Geronimo, allegedly, who will do the legendary rattlesnake dance, which no white man has ever seen. Except he, he every white man it. that's ever seen this show before. Yes. <laughs> Running Water beats a drum. That's his wife's name. Uh, not an actual thing that's just coming out of a pipe beating a drum. Big Eagle dances briefly before being bit on the face by a rattlesnake. Backstage, Billy's assistant is nervous, so he gets her a big drink. Lefty tells Billy that Eagle got bit because he's not using the gopher snakes that Billy suggested. He's a proud Indian. And then Lefty says, The only good Indian is a dead Indian. Which confused me a lot as far as what time period this movie is taking place. Well, it also confused me a lot. I know that throughout the rest of the film, Lefty is kind of this grouchy old man who doesn't like people. But it just seems out of character for any of these guys to be mean to any of the other ones yeah. in, in their group because they're they're super like committed to each other and and he never shows any kind of problem with big eagle or running water for the whole rest of the film so yeah, it's, it's just a weird line it's here. very out of place uh lasso leonard james takes center ring with his silent lasso demonstration <laughs> so this is again a very awkward moment there is no music and he is just whipping this lasso around in a very very silent tent <laughs> yeah it feels like they only bought one song and so they had to save it for bronco billy their 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 showstopper performance and they they didn't they wanted the contrast to be obvious to the audience well but also i think the not just the contrast between bronco billy and 
what's his name lasso lasso Mary. leonard lasso leonard <laughs> <laughs> so they wanted the contrast between the two of them but what i actually think they really wanted the contrast for was between the beginning of the film and the end of the film sure because when they when they do their final performance there is music throughout, throughout the, whole the whole thing when when all of them are performing and it's, and it's it's shot more dynamically it's more energetic and obviously it's to a full audience as opposed to this one who has like three people in the right. audience uh doc introduces bronco billy mccoy who gets his own fanfare from the pa system billy enters on a horseback and he's doing some horse tricks he jumps off the sides and jumps off the back i looked up the the stunt person doing this and it's the same guy that played uh, medicine wolf in mountain it, men because he does the same, the same tricks yeah he does the same yeah. tricks in both um so after he does his horse tricks and some sharpshooting uh he introduces mitzi fritz who is his new assistant it's her first show and she's tossing plates into the air for him to shoot and then some of them she's not even tossing them she just holds them up and so he shoots them and glass is just exploding next to her face but uh she survives this part they strap her up to this big wheel and they blindfold billy and he shoots balloons between her arms and legs as she is being spun around and around then after all the balloons have been popped except for one between her legs he takes out a knife and throws it and it the first one like snips one of the leather straps that's holding her hand up and then the second one actually like cuts open her leg and she's just bleeding all over this wheel as she's spinning around so i feel like mitzi fell victim you know when you're interviewing for a job number one question you ask is what happened to the last person that had this job yeah. i feel like you need to ask that one here but you also got to fake it till you make it so so i was sure at this point that the theme of the movie was going to be about like him losing his edge and right like not being as good as he used to be and not being relevant anymore and and that was totally not right. This is no. his only screw up in the yeah, whole movie. Didn't come into play well, at all. And, and was it really his screw up? It looked like something went wrong, and she shifted. Like I, she was I think, struggling. I think the first knife cut the strap on her leg loose, mm. and so then when her leg was in the wrong place, he hit it with the second knife. Okay, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on. That. Well, if they were trying to make it look like it wasn't his fault, they didn't do a very good. job. I agree, yeah. and, and either way, it's his fault because she didn't do anything wrong. So whoever orchestrated this whole trick that resulted in her getting stabbed in the leg is at fault. The way they drag her back, I'm pretty sure she didn't even know she was going to get stuck on a wheel and spun around and shot <laughs> Yeah. At. The horse is shocked, though, when <laughs> <laughs> the blood is coming out of her leg and they cut to a reaction from the horse going, a bull? <laughs> it's pretty great. That one. <laughs> Uh, we'll throw well, that on the Instagram. Yeah, because the, the horse has very like haunting eyes. Yeah, like it, it looks like a person. They're very like wide eyed and colorful. Like they're not like the empty kind of like dark horse eyes or like a doll's eyes. Pretty <laughs> 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 bitey. It doesn't seem to be living. <laughs> uh, they drive through rain to the next town. Doc points out that nobody's been paid in six months. Somehow, I guess he's just like feeding them out of pocket as they go, but. That seems crazy to me. Billy flips out and just starts punching the steering wheel <laughs> like a crazy person. He yanks the car over to the side of the road and he tells everyone to get out of their cars in this pouring rain. And they're like, oh, why'd you have to tell him when it was raining? And he's like, man, I, I really, I'm starting to think we made a mistake electing you to this position. He's like, I drew the short straw. I didn't want to do this. <laughs> and I, I like the line when they're talking about like when he's, when Bronco Billy's basically like laying out all 
where they were when he found them. Right. <laughs> and running water, he says, We all know what you used to do for a drink, and we forgive you for it. But if you want to go back to wool blankets and dirty sheets, it's all right with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's implying Harsh. that she's a prostitute, right? Yeah. That's crazy. I, I think it's really interesting. He goes into this whole spiel about why why they're doing this and, and that they're not in it for the money and that he you know they take care of each other and all, all of that. You think, oh, okay, well, I guess, I guess maybe he's not that bad. But it feels really cult-like. Like, yeah. they're all mm-hmm. just sort of, like, drinking the Kool-Aid because then they get really excited and get back in the car like, yeah, let's do oh, it. Oh, right, you're right. We're going to go and do a great show. And he's telling them all that they're selfish for even wanting to get paid in the first place. And Lefty, though, uh, Lefty LeBeau is actually, he's called Lefty because he doesn't have a right hand. He has a hook. And he says, And he's promised me I'd have nobody to buy a wooden hand this year. He should have never blowed that hand off in the first place. I told you that shotgun act wouldn't work. Uh, yeah, I, I was, like, not thrilled with what they were doing with Lefty, where it was clearly, like, him holding on to a prosthetic like well, I, I didn't want CG though either. No, no, time, no. But it, it just rough. you can. But you, it's just because you can see his fist balled up in the leather. Like I don't know. They could have. They could have made it look a little bit better and shortened it just a bit. Maybe. But I don't know. That was the, that was like the only thing that bothered me about his fake arm. But basically, this ends with them all conceding that they would be much worse off without Billy's intervention, and everyone gets back in their cars. So the group drops Billy off outside City Hall the next morning, and he goes in to get the local permit for their for their show while everybody else leaves for lunch. Inside City Hall, the soon-to-be Arlingtons are getting their marriage license. Billy stands in line behind them and drops a bunch of cash out of his pocket and uh, takes a good hard look at Antoinette Lily as he's collecting it from the floor and standing back up. Uh, She is the lovely fiancé. John Arlington asks her to slow down, and she keeps talking down to him and being really rude, and she asks him for a light as they're going up the stairs to the judge's office where they're supposed to be getting married. She explains that she's trapped in some sort of conditional will situation that requires that she be married by Saturday in order to get her inheritance from her father because that's her 30th birthday. They get that exposition out right away where where she needs to do this. I just don't understand why she picked this guy. They don't really make that clear. She says that he's broke and he needs money, but so is everyone. Yeah. So why did you pick this guy? Yeah, it's weird. It, there's no reason she shouldn't have picked a rich person. So that that person wouldn't try and take her money when they split up. But if she doesn't get married by Saturday, her stepmom's going to take all the money. So they got to get in there and get married. We see another circus tent being erected. And a blue car pulls up to the gas station across the street from where the Wild West show is going to be. This is the married couple, the newlyweds. And they're in the backseat of a car being driven by a chauffeur. It's a rental limo that has broken down. It has a what did he say a hole in the radiator the size of a potato Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and it's not going to be fixed today so you guys are at the very least spending the night because apparently there's like a hotel attached to this mechanic shop i don't think the hotel is attached it's at least right next door like surprisingly close to this place lily kind of throws a hissy fit walking away from the car the mechanic says you want i should fix her and then john says sometimes she makes me so mad i could kill her and the mechanic's just like, uh, okay. I felt like there there could have been a clearer joke about, like, I don't know what you mean by her when you say it. Like, There's no you, fixing her. Yeah. Bronco Billy catches a group of local kids checking out his convertible. He accuses them of cattle rustling. 
He also accuses them of playing hooky. Yes. Neither of which are true. That's true. <laughs> but also plays into your theory of him losing his edge. Like, yeah. Like, He's not paying attention to what day of the week it is. We, well, I thought more more so that he was just like getting old and he was just being, becoming forgetful. Yeah. You thought he was just going to shoot all these kids lined up outside the car? <laughs> Don't you steal my car! Get off my lawn! Get off my lawn! He, he did just use finger guns. It was pretty safe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Clint Eastwood, though. He's got imaginary powers. He can talk to empty chairs. He's got all kinds of stuff up his sleeve. Uh, I, I also like that he tells him, I think all kids should stay in school at least to the eighth grade. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the eighth grade? That's sticking to that. I think <laughs> that's the law. Not even high school? <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's the rule of law that says you have to do that. Uh, he shows off for them and he gives them each a free ticket to the show. He tells them all to bring their parents along because he doesn't want a bunch of cheap seats being taken up by children that didn't pay plus the parents would have to pay for their seats exactly billy tells doc he needs to head into town and find a new assistant he pulls into a burger joint and somehow the woman recognizes him as bronco billy immediately as he's pulling in like he hasn't even said anything to her yet it's idaho man you drive through town with a big truck labeled bronco billy and you show up with a convertible with like six shooters as handles but he wasn't in the truck he was in the car he's in the convertible which literally has handguns oh. as handles for the car yeah right so I does my that... car <laughs> this is america well yeah. yeah and if you pulled up into a drive-in i wouldn't be surprised if they said are you bronco billy that's true <laughs> she i just... do get that a lot <laughs> she she actually just asks everyone if they're bronco billy <laughs> somebody's gotta really be bronco billy law of averages <laughs> Her name is Dolores Duke, so it's like she was programmed to be his assistant. And uh, we just cut immediately to her holding plates as they're being shot out of her hands during the show. He does the finale of her participation in this Wild West show and grabs her to pull her up on the horse. But he accidentally drops her at the last second, like, Again, off the back of the horse. Losing his edge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's, I think, the last thing that he screws up. I think so. They, they really just dropped that one. He just dropped that one. John surprises Lily in their hotel room, uh, and she turns around with a green face and terrifies him <laughs> because she's just wearing a face mask, uh, and she's getting ready to go to bed. I don't think that you're supposed to leave those things on all night. You can't tell her what to do. I, apparently. Uh, they turn out the lights to go to bed, and she rejects his advances in the dark, and she says to not touch her without asking, and he won't get any money if he doesn't follow the rules i don't know why she plans on giving him half of her money anyway billy heads to a bank the next day to cash a three dollar check when he gets to the teller he asks for two dollars and four quarters and then he goes no wait a second make that two quarters and five dimes what's it gonna be tell us very important that we have it split up this way i don't know if that's so that he can split the paychecks between his employees but he sees a kid get shoved to the ground in this bank carrying a piggy bank and it shatters on the ground and the kid's like all upset and he looks up and there's two gunmen at the door and the place is being robbed and he's so upset about this kid getting shoved down that he murders one of the guys (laughs) (laughs) he shoots one guy in the heart yeah so that guy's dead (laughs) and the other guy he shoots his hand to disarm him and then juggles the gun around with extra bullets just like to show off to everybody One guy just gets like a little clown act and the other guy just gets <laughs> killed immediately. I don't understand why you couldn't have juggled both of these guns. Either way, they probably should have been shot here. <laughs> they're they're robbing a bank with guns, so still. It just felt weird that one guy 
got punished way more than the other guy. <laughs> you only kill a man if you have to. Yeah, apparently he had to kill that guy. <laughs> that guy had to die. So I just had to do away with him, and that's all it was to it. Uh, Lily wakes up in the hotel room, and it looks like John left without her, but he took all of her stuff. I'm not sure why he took, like, all of her clothes, even, but he took everything. Billy talks to the press about his Wild West show instead of the bank robbery they're asking him about. <laughs> As he's coming out, he's being just hounded with microphones, and they're like, what happened in there? Why did you, what, when did you realize you had to be here? And he's like, our show is 7 o'clock, and it's at the this address and this exit. The owner of the bank comes and shakes his hand and everything. And I thought this was going to turn into a, he becomes Bronco Billy in real life, and it's like actually saving people left and right. <laughs> but this, nope. again, this is that's the last of, of this leg of the show. John took everything from that hotel room, so now Lily has to throw on this old dress that she found, like, in some separate room. Well, it's like she was wandering through the lobby of the hotel and went into a place where they were doing laundry or something? Yeah. It's not, it's not super clear. She just but, finds a ratty old dress. And she puts it on, and it's the only dress she wears for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Everything else that she wears is Clint Eastwood's clothes, so it's all these huge shirts that are just hanging off of her. But well, they never go to her, a store. She's got a costume she puts on yeah. later. Yeah, but that's not until she goes back to New York for a while. Spoiler alert. No, no I, she, she, I meant she her costume the for the show. show. Oh, well, that's a costume they had. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, all, Clint, also Clint Eastwood's. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I bet he looked good in those short shorts. <laughs> Lily, wearing this dress, is hounding the station attendant for a dime because she needs to call New York and let them know, I got married. I deserve all my money. And uh, he's like, well, I... I don't have a dime, so there, I, there's nothing I could do to help you. And she's like, well, just take one out of the register. And he's like, that's not my money. I can't loan that to you. And she just keeps yelling at this guy until she notices Clint Eastwood walk up as Bronco Billy, and he's going to buy some sodas. And it looks like he's just buying a bunch of Cokes. Yeah. I think they sent over a lot of drink orders, and he just came back with Cokes. I also like this concept that this gas station is being run by this very old man but he's not actually he the owner. He doesn't own it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, who who hired you? Is there an older guy who's running this mechanic shop? <laughs> or like, or does he have like a 20-year-old boss who's yeah. just like ordering him around? He's just sitting in the office with like six fidget spinners. <laughs> <laughs> Billy talks to the mechanic and he's like, oh, she's a pretty one. And he says, yeah, her husband left her here this morning. And he says, oh, you'd have to be a fool to leave her behind. And the mechanic says, maybe, maybe not, because <laughs> he's been hanging out with her for a minute. But uh, she steps up to Billy and asks for a dime. And he says, oh, well, my money's across the street, so why don't you come with me to the show and uh, I can get you a dime. And he basically just tricks her into joining the show. He just drags her across the street and he's like, hey, this is my new assistant. Like, let's get moving. We got to well, set this up here. he doesn't do that. He doesn't say this is my new assistant. He but just, everyone assumes right, that's Right, he just she introduces is. her to everyone. Everyone's like, hey, welcome to the gang. And then when he finally gets to his car, he's like, okay, so just so you know, here's your dime. And this is an, a pay advance on your first check with me. So this is coming out of your check. I'm not just giving you a dime. As she walks back away to use the phone, he slaps her on the ass. She gets really upset about it because she wouldn't even let her husband touch her. And this is a stranger that just slapped her uninvited. So she goes to call her stepmom, but no one's answering the phone. Even though nobody answered, she loses the dime into this payphone because she's on the phone for too long. She's trying to slap it around to get her coin back, but it's no use. We cut to New York where her stepmother is talking to the family attorney. And both of them are presuming that John has killed her because they haven't heard from her in a few hours. A logical assumption. Yes. Well, it's been at least a day. Well, either way, 
you give an adult longer than a day to call you back before you assume they're dead the family attorney reminds her that she is next in line if lily's dead and they both are very pleased about this but they're going through the motions and oh i i'm so sorry for you in this troubling time and she's like oh you're so sweet thank you that really means a lot then they're like well i guess we got to call the police and let them know that my my stepdaughter's been murdered you know it's a weird line here is they're talking about john and how they they never really liked him and shouldn't let him marry him all his wives disappear Oh, so they set them up together so that... I don't know. It's very weird. I like, missed they, that line. They never come back to that like story point at all. Like, what do you mean all his wives disappear? How many wives have there been? What are the circumstances of them not being here now? Apparently, he abandons them all on their wedding nights. He just leaves them in a hotel somewhere and they which, have to join a right. circus. Which brings me back to the question of why did she pick this guy? Yeah. On the road to their next stop, Lily is making fun of billy at night because she doesn't want to hear him sing this song about barroom buddies anymore barroom buddies and that's the best kind nobody fools with buddy in mind laugh when you're happy this song by the way is merle haggard and clint eastwood singing together (laughs) she's picking on him and eventually calls him a little cowboy and he does his freak out and punch the steering wheel thing again and throws her out of the car but luckily for her big eagle picks her up a couple cars back yeah lenny doesn't pick her up yeah he goes right by he's like no nah, we're good we got enough people in this one and, and i like uh Scatman's reaction it's like where's miss lily i threw her out he goes oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh the next morning they pull up to an orphanage where they're going to be doing a show for children apparently they stop by this orphanage regularly we see him walking a girl on horseback this is his daughter allison eastwood Lily is surprised by his humanity here. She's like, oh, I thought this guy was a jerk. Turns out he's a jerk, but he's also (laughs) nice to kids. (laughs) Billy tells the children stories, (laughs) inappropriate stories for children about the time he shot one-eyed Billy. And one of the kids is like, oh, so you killed one-eyed Billy? And that kid that's asking that is his son. And he says, well, no, I shot him, but we don't, you don't kill a man unless you have to. Eventually, Billy talks Lily into doing a single show before they're going to part ways. So they're going to lock her in for one performance at a location so that she's paid up and that she can leave. Well, and that was his. That was trading to get her to the next town over. Right. Which she didn't think they were going to take her this far. She didn't necessarily want to go all this way. But uh, when when they got there, there wasn't really much she could do. So she agrees and they part ways. Billy shows her how the show's going to go and she's like interrupting his lesson to show that she can throw a plate into the air and shoot it. It's like, oh, beginner's luck. And then somebody's like, beginner's luck, nothing. That was that was impressive shooting. And she's like, yeah, well, I... And then Clint Eastwood's like, why don't you get out of here? Don't you have something better to do? He's like, you're absolutely right. I'll see you later. Like, they don't want to argue with him and they well, don't want to get... get the story behind but, how yeah. she could shoot. <laughs> and I thought like, oh, we're going to keep hinting at it and then eventually she's going to tell the whole story. No, no, she never tells it. But also in this scene... I think that they are implying, so sh- they show her that you have to throw the plates in the air and then we shoot them. And then he tells her, I'll grab your arm and I'm going to throw you on the back of the horse and we'll ride off together. And But and he can't pull her up on the horse when they try to do the demonstration. Yeah, but she says, and that's all I have to do? And he's like, yeah, that's all you have to do. And that's definitely not all she has to do. He didn't tell her at all about the, I'm going to yeah. shoot you on a spinning wheel and throw right. a knife between your legs. <laughs> that's true. So this is how the lesson went for the other girls, too. But she did know at least about the dialogue that she had to recite. Right. I mean, that's, that's true. true. That's true. Y- Maybe he she did tell her. She, I think she makes pulling, changes. I think the pulling up onto the horse is the end of the show, after the spinning. 
Yeah. Back at her stepmother's place, they are delighted to learn that the FBI has captured John in Arizona, and they have officially charged him with the murder of her stepdaughter. I feel like, I mean, this has only been a few days, and I don't think that you could possibly charge somebody with murder when just a couple of random people are like, I haven't heard from my kid in a couple of days. I bet she's dead. Arrest this guy for murder. Yeah. There, there's no body. What do you, how there's are you charging There's not a body and with? there's not a weapon. There's, there's no, no way to charge the there's person. There's no evidence. There's not even circumstantial evidence of a murder happening. Yeah. The only, the only thing that they, was that he, they caught him with her jewelry on. And he did tell someone the day before, sometimes she makes me so mad I could murder her. And I guess he was heading to Mexico, but still, like, there's no... I don't know if he was heading to Mexico. No... That was their suspicion. Oh, that was their suspicion. Somehow he ended up with, what did they say, dysentery? Yeah. Amoebic amoeb- dysentery. Yeah. yeah. And what, that seems weird. That seems like seems he like a weird went plot. to Mexico and came back? Yeah, because he... <laughs> so like why did he get it already? He drank some kind of water. Montezuma's prevenge. <laughs> <laughs> Lily is strapped to the wheel, and she's improvising some lines during a show, and this is throwing off Billy's game. Although he manages the trick better than last time. Uh, He pops all the balloons as planned with bullets and knives. Backstage, he storms into her dressing room to chastise her improv. She's completely naked and keeps trying to cover herself up with... She's not completely naked, but... Well, she's in her underwear, and she keeps trying to cover herself up. She's PG naked. PG naked. And uh, he keeps yanking whatever she's covering herself with away so that he can yell at her he threatens to fire her despite the fact that she was only supposed to be here for this one show so the next morning because she fulfilled her duties for her ride to uh to this town she she leaves and billy tells doc that she's gone and he says you know she was pretty good and we see lily finding a newspaper that announces her murder at the hands of her husband a group is passing her on the sidewalk suddenly and they're all saying their goodbyes as she's like shocked by this newspaper edgar the family attorney is visiting john in prison in arizona and he says to john look i've known lily since she was a little kid and i understand why you wanted to kill her (laughs) (laughs) and he's like what no i didn't i didn't kill her though i don't know what you're talking about And he's like look you don't have to lie to me like i'm your attorney i can't say anything i'm gonna tell you something here's what you should do if you plead temporary insanity, you won't spend more than three years in a mental institution. What are you getting at? If you confess to Antoinette's murder, the day that you are released from the institution, you will receive half a million dollars. And he's like, how much is that after taxes? And he's like, well, if you invest wisely, you won't have to pay a dime. I didn't mean to kill her. She drove me crazy. So he's going to go along with this plan. A couple things wrong with this plan. One, if you invest it wisely, not a dime is a nice way of saying, oh, about half. And then you can get it back if you buy whatever stock performs the best. Also, take your money up front. Yes. And also, you don't go to a mental hospital for temporary insanity for three years. They tend to keep you there forever if you're going to a mental hospital instead of jail you actually get stuck in a mental hospital for longer which is why people say that you should never plead insanity because pleading insanity is an automatic life sentence most of the time compared to what you would get for just admitting you killed someone even premeditated good plan so for our listeners planning murder don't don't act crazy just go through with it and be serious just own it people own Own it it. (laughs) all right the electric chair damn it (laughs) pat (laughs) oops 
Sorry. Sorry, listener. Bronco finds Lily sitting in his truck, expecting to keep the job. Lily talks to Lefty and Leonard on the road, and she is very condescending to both of them. Leonard tells her that he thinks maybe she didn't get enough love in childhood, and she seems, like, upset by it. Big Eagle tells Billy that Running Water is pregnant, and he fires guns. You mean I'm going to be an uncle? (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. In celebration. Oh, good. (laughs) I was really worried. Uh, at first, when he starts, he pulls the guns out and shoots them, and I thought it's like, oh, is this like another steering wheel punch? Like he's super upset, but no, it's he's actually being nice about it. And pregnant women should always be around live gunfire. Yes, and also you should definitely fire a weapon directly straight up in the air at a crowded fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's definitely a good place to do that. Well, um, they, they they establish that his his bolts are actually loaded with some kind of buckshot that doesn't go very far. Yeah, and so I imagine even if it went up in the air as it came down, it, like those little tiny little spheres wouldn't probably hurt as bad as at a max it would kill a bank robber (laughs) so everyone comes in drawn by the gunfire and they're very excited to hear about the news we go to a honky-tonk nearby and merle haggard is on stage performing billy tells eagle and water that they will be getting a raise when this baby shows up which i think they said they plan to name billy yeah like they're they're gonna gonna literally name the kid after him and he also is like we're gonna get you another trailer we're gonna get baby clothes yeah he's actually into it Everyone drinks a toast to Billy and then... Including running water. Yeah, including running water. And then everybody kind of steps away from the table. Well, but she's still sober, though, because we established earlier that she doesn't actually drink. Running water doesn't? Yeah, because she's like, I'm sick of drinking, you know, regular water. Yeah. Yeah, she said she was tired of being on the wagon. Yeah. But she's drinking a shot of water here, presumably. Everyone gets up from the table and leaves, and it's just Bronco and Lily sitting there. And uh, they start to argue with each other, as they are wont to do. Lily tells him that her father died when she was nine. She starts to tear up talking about it. So I guess he died when she was nine. He left a will that said she had to be married by 30 if she wanted to keep his money. So she's crying about this because on set, fun bit of trivia, uh, she couldn't summon tears. So Clint Eastwood just started kicking her in the legs under the table (laughs) until she was literally crying. Yeah. That's terrible. Because he was getting very frustrated. They dance for a bit and he kisses her. And she doesn't like that. Uh, it's very sudden. <laughs> Especially and, uh, after being kicked under the table. Yeah. Uh, well, that was just in real life. Real life doesn't matter. What happens in movies matters. <laughs> and a fight breaks out here on the dance floor. Lefty gets his hook stuck in a door. Another fun bit of trivia, according to IMDb, the hole in that door is still there at that club. Oh, really? <laughs> it's a real club, and they left that door in the frame. Uh, Leonard throws a pitcher of beer in a guy's face and instead of punching Leonard back the guy punches the pitcher and like breaks his hand even though the pitcher shattered it shouldn't have hurt that much we get this shot of like this complete riot going on in the bar as chairs are getting thrown left and right beer and food is getting thrown everywhere and Merle Haggard is on stage and he's like all right we're gonna take a five minute break as like food is just getting thrown past his face we're gonna take a five minute break don't go away. We cut to some guys in the parking lot. I wanted to mention uh, Doc Lynch's uh, line. Of, oh, yeah. I, like, I want to get in on this action. And you just see him walk out of frame, then just get thrown back. He's like, all right, I've had enough. He's like, I'm going to hang out over here with you. And he's like, oh, yeah, good call. But we see a guy in the parking lot. And as Lily's walking out of the place, the guy hits on her. And she says, get lost. But then she runs full on into a second guy. The two of them grab her. 
and they throw her in a car and basically start raping her until yeah. Bronco Billy shows up. This this went on much longer than I expected it to go on. Yeah. yeah. I thought like they were going to like try to force a kiss and then then he would show up. I didn't think it was going to be like, "Oh man, they're they're it's like no, they laid her down in a car and climbed yeah. up on top of her." Yeah. Well, and I w- I even wonder if by the time Bronco Billy showed up, if he even knew it was her. He just knew somebody was getting attacked in this car. He's like, "I want me some of the Oh, uh I'm going to save this person. That's not what I meant. I know. So he makes quick work of these guys. He pulls the guy that was on top of her off and punches the guy to pieces. <laughs> and, and then he grabs the other guy who the rest of the Wild West show team is holding against the car. And he's like, all right, give me this guy. I'm going to start punching this guy. <laughs> and, and, and then that guy says, wait, wait, wait. I've had enough. <laughs> like, like hell you have. What? What? You don't just get to say you've had enough. Like yeah. someone is beating the shit out of you. They're going to keep beating the shit out Time of you because you deserved it. <laughs> but he's literally like smashing this guy's face into the pavement in the in the parking lot. Back in the trailer, he tries to comfort Lily. Uh, she asks him if he was ever married. And he says that he was, but he caught her in bed with his best friend. So he shot her. <laughs> And I was like, oh, they're going to roll this back. That was a funny joke. No, he shot her. And she's like, wait, what? Why didn't you shoot your best friend? And he's like, because he was my best friend. It's like, oh, my God. This is so ridiculous. But he did shoot her. She survived, but he shot her. And he went to Folsom for seven years for attempted murder, which he probably would have gotten just as many years for killing her. So that's another screw up. Should have just killed her. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he didn't try to. No, I'm sure he yeah. was. You don't get attempted murder for intentionally maiming somebody. <laughs> so that's where he met everybody in the show, was at Folsom. Uh, he says that Big Eagle and Running Water were there, and Doc was there. Doc got in trouble for, like, medical malpractice. Like, he was yeah. pretending to be a doctor, which is why his nickname is Doc. Um, I doubt that Running Water was in a men's prison, but, you know, the rest of them were probably there. That's true. I don't know. I don't know how jail works. The next morning, Doc knocks on the door, and he says that Leonard's in jail from the fight last night. So they go to pick him up, and the sheriff is reading off the list of charges. And the last one is rather unfortunate, because he is wanted for desertion from the United States Army. Because he dodged the draft for Vietnam. That delicious desertion. Yeah. Bronco Billy tells him he's got to have the wrong guy. There's some kind of mistake here. And he says, Prince don't lie. Your boy's a coward. He didn't want to fight in Vietnam. So they go in to talk to Leonard. Bronco Billy cannot forgive him for deserting. Which is so weird. Because, like, it seems like the whole point of this movie has been that, like, this is a group of outcasts who broke the law and they're banding together because they respect each other as people. And he hates this guy for having deserted. And it's like, that for some reason, you can't forgive that. Like, everybody forgave you for shooting your wife. But you can't forgive this guy for not wanting well, to shoot strangers. Well, wait a second, though. Because he said when she was seeing, like, oh, my God, you're all, like, felons. He's like, no, we did our time. We all did our time. And I think he's saying that this guy's a coward. He ran away. And he didn't take responsibility for what he did. Okay. So he just hates him because he hasn't gone to prison. And, maybe but then he bribes him out of prison that's true i don't i don't get it but yeah anyway so he he's wanted for desertion and they're gonna hold on to him billy meets with the sheriff on some side road and he tries to just bribe him with cash but the sheriff clearly wants to have a duel because this is bronco billy and he's famous for being a quick draw it, it sounds like he wants them to like 
pull their guns and shoot at each other. But he knows that Bronco can't do that because he'll go to jail if he shoots a cop and the cop can just say, oh, well, he pulled a gun on me. He basically settles for making Billy say, you're faster than I am. You're faster than I am. What'd you say? I said you're faster than I am. (laughs) And then it seems like things are going to get much darker here. And I'm still not clear what happens in this scene completely. But he tells him to take out the gun and put it on the ground because even though Bronco Billy just said, you're faster than I am, he's still terrified that this guy's going to pull his gun and shoot him. He puts his gun on the ground and he kicks it away and he gets really close to Billy and then we cut away back to the big top where they're having to start the show without Billy and it's like suspicious that Billy hasn't gotten back yet. Well, you know, they were making out for a while. I don't know what they're implying happened because it feels really weird. It doesn't seem like, oh, I put my gun on the ground and then you kick it over there and then I give you this roll of bills and I leave. Like the sheriff starts calling him names and he calls him yellow which is then you see like Clint Eastwood has like this look on his face of like oh that's the last that's not gonna stand and that's when it cuts away I was like so does he fight him yeah I don't know what happens for the rest of that scene I I thought for a while that it was gonna turn out that Bronco Billy killed the cop and then broke the guy out of jail and that we were going to reveal that later. Well, and that's what I thought when he called him a coward in jail was just to like, was for the sheriff's benefit of like, you're oh, a coward. he's mad at you. He's definitely not going to help you out. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, uh, Silverado, when, uh, Scott Glenn is trying to go visit his brother played by Kevin Costner is in jail. He says, well, you're in jail. Everyone always knew that you'd end up here and go on the end of the rope. See ya. But it's all a ploy to make it seem like he's not going to bust him out. Right. That doesn't happen. Nope. Uh, he so, just ma- Leonard just magically appears at the big top. Yeah. And the show is starting without uh, either of them. And suddenly the crowd is chanting, we want Billy. A bunch of kids in the back row drop a firecracker into the straw that's like lining this whole tent. Below the bleachers, everything just starts catching on fire very quickly right as Billy is showing up. The fire spreads throughout the tent and panic ensues. Billy's trying to escort some older audience members through the tent and uh, a couple people are tripping over each other on their way out, but well, now the tent is on fire. His entrance is really funny, though, because he shows up after there's mass panic. He comes riding in on the horse and starts shooting in the air. Like, you know what really calms down a bunch of people who are panicky? Gunshots. Yeah. <laughs> Take it easy, no He's calming everyone down by firing his weapons. The zipper can be seen in the foreground as the tent is burning down. So that's the second appearance of the zipper after Carney this year. I hate that ride. The whole tent burns down <laughs> I like and collapses. I, I'm all, I was actually wondering if, I was like, I wonder if this is just the set of Carney. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, fellow Carnies took up a collection from the Midway, and the next day they give Billy a fat roll of cash to start rebuilding his circus because they basically lost everything in here yeah it was definitely a roll of ones <laughs> yeah driving away from the ashes they pop a tire they pull over and get out and walk out into a field doc tells billy that the team wants to kick lily out because she's bad luck because of this one thing that happened that was not at all her fault he says no we're not going to kick her out what we're going to do is we're going to rob a train my next note is what the fuck is this movie about <laughs> <laughs> i don't understand there was there was a story at the beginning about she had a husband 
because she needed to get money inheritance and it was like a big deal that she gets married by saturday and then they get married two seconds later in the movie so the inheritance is covered i'm trying to figure out antoinette's motivation throughout this film because it feels like she keeps changing her mind all the time so she you know wanted to get away from them and she was about ready to leave and then she saw her face in the newspaper that she was murdered and And then then, she went back and then she goes back to them and i assume that she's kind of like oh cool i can leave that old life behind and start a new one and no one will know the difference i'll just think i was murdered and i i think that's what she's going for but it's really unclear yeah i i don't understand what's happening i also i feel like there's something i'm not getting about the whole the rules of the will because the stepmother won't be getting anything even if she's been murdered no because they already got married well, it would go to next of kin, though, and yeah. I assume she's next of kin. Yeah. Well, wouldn't it go to him? Not if he murdered her for the money. If it's your husband and you die, don't I get your money if I kill you? No. I specifically definitely wrote it into our will that that would not happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe we should take another look at this will. Reminder. Write that into my will. <laughs> no, but it would go to the kids. Um, or, you know, in her case, it would go to the state or something like that. I don't think the money goes to the parents typically when a person dies. Well, the 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 stepmother asked Edgar to file an injunction that would list her as next of kin. And apparently he can set those kinds of things up. Okay. But either way, we drop that storyline completely after the first scene. Yeah. And we don't care about the money anymore. We don't care about her husband who just disappeared. We don't even see him like packing up the stuff. He's just gone when she wakes up. And we get no indication of where he went until we find out he's been arrested. We don't know why he was arrested or where or or what how. his plan was. We don't see him get arrested. It's just I don't I don't understand what this movie wants to be about. I kept waiting for the moment when Lily would come in and save the day with all of her money, and I thought, okay, great, he's in jail. She's gonna offer to to sort this out with with her attorney, with her money yeah. and get and get this all fixed up. Either she's gonna get an attorney or she's gonna bribe somebody or whatever. She, and she tries to do that here, and she and she tries to, but not nothing comes of it. Right? Like, she doesn't actually say, "I have money to get an attorney." She just, she, I she, think she does. Well, no. She, well, she says, "What if we had an attorney?" And Doc says attorneys cost money, and then she drops it. Yeah, and it's then like, she doesn't. But but then when she she goes up to Billy, who is standing on the side of the tracks, getting ready to rob a train, and she's trying to talk them out of robbing the train, and he says, "Look, you know, when we started this thing, I was a shoe salesman from New Jersey. I decided that I wanted to be a cowboy, and I made myself a cowboy." And she says, "I have a lot of money. I can pay to fix all of this." Right, right. She uh, Once again, she offers. I mean, this is a different incident. She's offering to pay for the tent at this point. Right. But he refuses and says, no, we're going to we're gonna rob this train. And she's just like, yeah, okay, wait for me. <laughs> then, then I started to think, okay, this is a test. Like, they're trying to see how far she'll go with them. Nope, they're just stupid. Are they stupid? I still don't understand what this scene is about. They're trying to rob a train. Were they? Has anyone robbed a train in the last 150 years? Well, they said they said that in the film. They said nobody's done this in 90 years. And, 90 years, okay. And they're like, how are you going to stop the train? And he's like, stop it. Wow, it's- wait, 90, really? Yeah. Oh, that's almost, that's 130. I was close from here. here. Fair enough. He's like, how, do you, how are we going to stop the train? And Billy's like, stop it. It's no problem. It's carting off all that money. That's the problem. 
And then they are totally incapable of stopping the train. But it's also a passenger train. It's not a Wells Fargo wooden train that you can <laughs> jump onto. It's metal on both sides and it's going, you know, 100 miles an hour. There's no way. And it's full of random people that may or may not have any cash on them. And and he's trying to catch up with it on horseback. And they're driving a car on the side of the road. They probably can't get the car over like 45 mm-hmm. on dirt. And it just doesn't make any sense i i thought that they were doing it to just play a game like there's they show a kid in one of the passenger cars that sees them outside and he goes Cowboys Indians. of course dear i i thought they were doing it to build up some kind of uh reputation for the next town like like oh these are the guys who tried to rob our train and, and like they would do like a show without a tent or stage some kind of like fake train robbery it's fun that director clint eastwood lives that leaves this so far open to interpretation that you have no idea what the scene is about also the movie's long enough where you could just cut this whole thing yeah yeah it nothing does, happened it in doesn't this scene. impact it in any way yeah. aside from it being another instance where she offers to try to save the day with her money and they refuse yeah and also shows that they all go along with whatever billy does well and i don't think they actually believe that she's got any money I, I think that's probably true. I think when she says, I have money, I can pay for all this, he doesn't pursue it because he thinks she's just trying to talk him out of robbing the train. Yeah. But I don't I don't think he was trying to rob the train. I don't think that the character they've set up is so dumb that he thinks you can rob a train in the present or in the 80s. But either way, the train passes perfectly capably. They don't even slow it down. They run alongside it for a while and... Uh, then Billy takes everyone to a sanitarium all of a sudden. Yep. Cut to Nuthouse. By sheer incredible coincidence, mm-hmm. it's the same one that John Arlington, her husband, has been incarcerated in. They're talking to the guy who runs the place, and he says, oh, yeah, like just filling us in with this uh, this extra exposition. Oh, you guys come here every year, and I don't know why. Like That's the screenwriter <laughs> like, why would they go to a sanitarium? I don't know. Let's have them be just as confused. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like... When uh, he's, because uh, Doctor Canterbury, like the head of the sanitarium, is because he knows everyone in the crew, and when he goes to shake Doc Lynch's hand, is like, "Remember Doc, my friend and colleague." Ah, my friend and colleague. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Bronco Billy knows for a fact that the inmates at this sanitarium sew flags together, like that's just one of their pastimes here, and he thought maybe they could sew a circus tent for him. In, Which is like a flag in a lot of ways. It's like a flag <laughs> in some ways, and then fabric. it's not at all like a flag in other ways. And you need to have like very specific specifications for it to fit on the framework that you set up for your. You know tent. all the things that they need. The fabric is probably not the most expensive part. I mean, they have all those big poles and pulley systems to get them up, and they yeah. had all of the the ring in the middle, and, and the, all those animals and that the burned to the ground. And, it's just a lot of stuff they lost. Yeah. So he just says, oh, can you guys make us an entire circus tent in like a couple days? And he's like, yeah, sure. That's that's worth it considering you've done weird horse tricks for a bunch of crazy people <laughs> for, for every year for a while. And also teach me how to use a gun. Yeah. How do you pay <laughs> yeah, for that's your, right. How do you pay for your circus tents? That's definitely how I pay for mine. Yeah, It's, it's a like, barter system. Tell you what, we'll do it for you, but you got to teach me how to do that twirly thing, he says. <laughs> They tell the Native American couple that they're the first Indians to stay there as they're walking everyone to their rooms. I, I love this orderly, though. Yeah. How he's introducing all the rooms. This is the Rose Room. Why do they call it the Rose Room? I don't know. It's just always been called that. 
This is the carnation room. This room doesn't have a name. <laughs> and then he shows him to the honeymoon suite, and when he closes the door, he goes, ah, I forgot to tell them about the view. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as soon as they get into the honeymoon suite, Bronco tries to have sex with Lily against her will. She gets mad for some reason, I think because she didn't want to have sex. Um, <laughs> well, she says, apparently they've been planning to have sex because she says, I told you we would do this when, when I felt the time was right. <laughs> they never show her say that, though. Yeah. That's Except weird. in this scene. Yeah. But he gets frustrated and he leaves just as running water is going by. And she's like, running water, get in here. I have to vent. And she's like, yes, ma'am. And she comes right inside. She says, I just hate him so much sometimes. And she's like, yeah, we, we have that. We have a word for that in my tribe. It's called love. And she's like, oh, you sa- you're saying I love him? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, I I just got, I get so mad at him. And, and he's taking this so seriously, even though he's just a shoe salesman from New Jersey. And she's like, you're the first assistant he's ever told that. And so she's like, oh, my God. I love him, and I have to be with him right now. So she runs out to his trailer where he went to when he left her room. And... She literally just throws her arms out and says, Bronco Billy, I want you to take me in your arms and make love to me. And he's like, whoa, what? Why? Why is this happening now? We can, we got all night. We'll, we'll get around to this later. And it's like, you just tried to rape me. <laughs> so that that happens. But for the rest of this movie, she's turned into like this weird, like hypnotized sex robot. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> she's just so like, I guess she's just free now yeah i don't like, know what happened but like i think nothing running turns on a girl like shoe salesman but either way she's she's not normal anymore for the whole rest of the movie <laughs> she's completely insane that night we see john is like sneaking around the sanitarium trying to figure out what room they're in but they're not in a room because they're staying in the trailers off site but he doesn't know that so he's like climbing around on the rooftop and he's looking in all the windows of the guest rooms he almost falls off and then he farts. Yeah. There's a fart in here. That didn't have to happen. <laughs> this whole scene didn't have to happen because there's no payoff. Yeah, the, he doesn't find anything. It's not like he almost finds something. He doesn't mm. find anything. And they never hint that he's almost finding something. Mm. But uh, we do have a moment here where as he's climbing over the ledge, he's he sees a guard walking below him. And the guard below him is whistling the theme of Any Which Way But Loose. <laughs> and... Uh, then we just cut to the next morning <laughs> that was it that was all that happened he yep. was just climbing around out there the next morning john is talking to mr what's his name dr canterbury. canterbury dr canterbury sorry doctor dr canterbury he tells her that lily's his wife even though they didn't see each other the day before he says the woman that's in that show that's my wife i know it for a fact because the last time i saw her she was not a part of a circus act and i barely recognized that cowboy from when i saw him in a bank once so that that woman's my wife go talk to her so he does so he does yeah (laughs) in the woods as they're walking lily asks bronco if she was good last night because she's just acting like this weird sex slave character outside the administrator says hey i got a patient that's telling me a crazy story and then john runs up and grabs her like they don't if if one of my patients was like hey that's my wife i'd be like okay well if i'm going to 
confirm this independently. I'm definitely not going to let you within strangling distance of this woman. <laughs> of this woman who you're accused of murdering. Yeah. Just in case, like, he's like, I thought I killed her. Now I have to finish her off. <laughs> he runs up and she's like, what are you doing in this place? And he's like, oh, wait, are you serious? Is this, this is actually your husband? And the administrator's like, okay, well, you're famous then. And you're dead according to the news so i have to call the press and i have to call the police well i also like that john is saying i got sent in here for life so like the whole plan of only three years right was clearly like he's like they just lied to him yeah but now the press is arriving and the fbi is coming to take everyone in for an inquiry but they're sitting down with a different hospital administrator or is it the same guy i think i think it's some kind of local oh, yeah, it's the, police yeah it's the local okay. sheriff they're sitting down with him and he says the fbi is coming to take everyone in for an inquiry and bronco billy's like wait why do i have to go like this guy suddenly turns into the screenwriter mm-hmm. and he goes i don't know harboring a fugitive and she's like <laughs> but i'm not a fugitive uh, you guys thought i was dead and he's like i don't know the fbi will know <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like <laughs> no that doesn't make sense you don't have an answer. You should have written an answer here or else there's no reason that they would all go. But they don't even go. So it doesn't matter. Billy just sneaks out because he's like, I don't, I don't want to go to FBI headquarters for an inquiry. So And we get no FBI and we don't even see John ever again. Yeah. So he just, Bronco just leaves. Doc's like, oh, where's the girl? And he's like, ah, she's bad luck. <laughs> and so she goes back to New York and mopes around her stepmom's place. Then she just tries to commit suicide like 12 hours without bronco billy is enough to drive anyone (laughs) to the edge but she doesn't know how to do it like she takes all the pills but i she just holds them in her mouth (laughs) they're just slow dissolve gel caps yeah it's really weird because the passage of time in this film is in general very strange yeah because it feels like it's only been a few days since this has all happened maybe a couple weeks at best but it could have been a month who knows yeah but but at the same time, the time between her putting these pills in her mouth and when she gets the phone call and spits them out feels like forever. Yeah. And it's also <laughs> not funny. It, she takes an entire bottle of sleeping pills to kill herself because Bronco Billy walked away from her because he didn't care about what happened after that scene. And she literally just takes a whole bunch of pills to kill herself. And it's supposed to be played as a joke. Like... It's just supposed to be funny, like, oh, get it? Because he's gone and she's sad, so she's going to kill herself. I don't get it. It's just weird. It's bad writing, and uh, and it's tasteless that this was supposed to be a joke. The group is hanging out in a bar somewhere in Boise, and Running Water calls Lily. And as soon as she hears that it's Running Water, she pushes all these pills out of her mouth that she's just been holding in her mouth for an hour. I don't know. But, uh, Did you notice when they're all in the bar there? So Lefty is uh, is shooting pool with with one of the other guys, and he's his pool stick is backwards while he's shooting. Like he's shooting with the the butt the end. Thick end. Of the, oh, no, yeah, I didn't see yeah. That. He's got it in his in his little hook, and he's running it through his hook, and he and he's sh- literally shooting with the with the fat end of the stick. I think people do that sometimes. Do they? Is that is, is I don't is that an illegal move? I guess not. They don't care for the law around these parts need a baltimore bullet uh, ruling on this one yeah but anyway running water on the phone with lily not bronco billy by the way running water is the one who calls and prevents the suicide and she lies that billy needs her badly and so they go and start a show the next wild west show and uh, they're in a huge tent made entirely out of american flags that are all sewn together and billy introduces 
two-gun lefty LeBeau. And then Lily comes out of the circus tent. And uh, she's got her own cowgirl costume and she's got two guns. I don't know what he thought was going to come out of this tent. Because Lefty can't operate two guns. Yeah. Well, he can with one hand. Maybe. You just, you just have to... Yeah, you can't use your trigger finger. You gotta use like your middle finger. But here's the other thing. He didn't really have to update it and reintroduce her as Lily Antoinette because she could be two gun lefty LeBeau. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe maybe one of her boobs looks off to the left. <laughs> and so they call her Lefty. So she comes out in a cowgirl costume and he's totally shocked. And when she gets close enough, she says, I was waiting for you to come and get me. And he says, well, I got you and I'm never going to let you go. And it's like, no, you didn't. You didn't do anything to get her back. And you didn't care if she killed herself in New York. And you never would have found out about it either because you don't read the newspaper. You would have just let her die and nobody else would have cared. Nobody told you to do that. Only Running Water cared. So they do another boring Wild West show. It's shot to be more interesting than the first one, but it's still not worth the price of admission no matter what these oh, no, people pay for the ticket but they they definitely made it look more energetic and they had music playing throughout so that you're yeah. like yay it's a packed house and they're they're back in their element and he manages not to shoot or stab lily on the wheel and they close out the show with a big adios amigos and that's the end of our film this movie's very rambly it's very long yeah it's almost two hours right that's not necessary I, i'm not sure that the film in general was necessary I do think it's weird that anyone involved with this movie would have considered it one of the favorites of their career, unless they were literally just like drinking the whole time. And maybe it was just a lot of fun to shoot. Yeah, just, just hanging out with Clint Eastwood and yeah, guys, we're gonna make a movie. I mean, from what I understand, it is more fun to make bad movies because no one there is concerned about whether you got the take you wanted. Like, there's a couple of scenes in this where I'm like, you could have done that one more time, right? Like, uh. And I love Scatman, but there's a line where he goes to open the door and he's like, I just got a call from the sheriff. He said they got uh, Leonard down at the jail. And, and it's like, <laughs> come on, let, let Scatman take another shot at that. Like Kubrick would have made him do it a hundred times. But yeah, this uh, it's longer than it needs to be. It doesn't really have a clear focus. I'm not sure what plot point I'm supposed to be following. And there's no tension because the point of every scene changes mid-scene mm -hmm. so that you don't know what you're supposed to care about i guess i guess the the highest stakes are that the west show might not continue and that uh antoinette Lily might not get her money i don't think that there's ever really a threat to her not getting her money as long as she shows up alive again they'd be like oh you're alive okay cool here's your money back it turns yeah. out we jumped the gun on that murder charge without evidence or a body yeah. Just a confession. I feel like a murder trial would take longer than she's been missing. Yeah, just... I thought that too. There's no way he would already be incarcerated. Like, they would have, she's only been gone like a week. Well, I guess if he confesses, then it doesn't go to trial. But, but when you confess, they generally want to know where the body is. Right. So, because that's it... how you prove the or confession. Or like the murder weapon or any evidence whatsoever. Yeah. Like, did you burn her body? Where did you do it? I mean, because the, then it, once she shows up alive it's clear that you didn't kill her and that it was a lie so you committed perjury who knows if, if, you if confess, you're under oath when you confess if you can yeah if you confess to a murder well, you, that you didn't well, you actually to, do you have to sign a confession so yeah that's perjury yeah is that is, that, is there a precedent for this like 
if you that's crime fraud <laughs> <laughs> you can't commit crime fraud you owe us all that money for all the time you were in jail well he is conspiring <laughs> you have to pay rent for all the time you spent in jail he is committing fraud with the attorney in terms of the inheritance. But yeah. he's not getting anything. Yeah, he is. He's getting $500,000. I don't think he is. No, I, I don't think, think that I was think, a trick to I get him to that, admit yeah. to the murder. Well, just because you don't actually get the bribe money doesn't mean it's not a bribe. Quid pro quo. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that he would just deny that he ever made that deal with him. There's no evidence of that deal. He didn't sign a contract that said, if you admit to a false murder, I'll but give why? you five hundred thousand dollars. But it doesn't make any sense to admit to a fake murder. No, it doesn't. That's, so that's part if of the he, problem. If all he has to do is say, "Yeah, the uh, the stepmom and the attorney wanted me to do this so that we could make sure that we got the money and we shared it." Yeah. They'd be like, "Yeah, totally believe you. You're all going to prison." Yeah. Yeah, he would definitely go right back into prison. It's like, oh crap! I should have asked for a deal first. <laughs> I should I should have just gave out this information freely. <laughs> Whoops. I'm really bad at this. Okay, I was lying about that confession too, guys. Let me start over. <laughs> give me. I'll tell you what. If the confession is the deal problem, give me two minutes alone with Antoinette. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now she's dead and everything is okay. <laughs> <laughs> Would this be like a double jeopardy scenario? Like, can't he murder her now that he's already been <laughs> convicted of her murder? That, that's one of the reasons you don't play this prank on somebody it's because now they're allowed to kill you it's just a prank bro yeah um <laughs> that would be funny though if at the end he's like hey do you know what double jeopardy means and she's like yeah isn't that the second round of questions and then he shoots her in the face <laughs> <laughs> what is correct <laughs> <laughs> this was directed by clint eastwood you wouldn't know it if you'd seen any of his other films uh, people say it's the funniest movie that he directed himself, but I don't think it was a comedy. I'm not sure what it was. He is Dirty Harry. He was in the Sergio Leone westerns, the fistful of dollars and gun full of bullets and bad news bears. <laughs> what are the what are the <laughs> what what are all the westerns? The the ser- the trilogy, the Man with No Name trilogy. Yeah, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, fistful of dollars and a for a few dollars more. <laughs> okay, I was close. There's also dollars more. There's also got, Gotcha Sucker, aka Fistful of Dynamite, but that starred uh, uh, James Coburn, I believe. Oh, okay. I haven't seen any of those movies. But like, but if we're just talking about movies westerns that he starred in, like yes, Two Mules for Sister Sarah, which is great. He has uh, a couple uh, Best Director and Best Picture Oscars. He's got four Oscars. Mm-hmm. Because he directed two best pictures and he got best director for both of them. I haven't seen any of these movies. You haven't seen any Clint Eastwood movies? I've seen... You've seen Forgiven. Or Unforgiven. <laughs> we just watched it. Okay, yes. Okay, the I've seen that one. Unforgiven. I've seen that one. <laughs> Forgiven was... That's the name of this movie. <laughs> it was a big letdown. <laughs> yeah. You didn't see Space Cowboys? Nope. That was oh. his other one that got best picture and best director. You didn't see The Changeling? We watched The Changeling. He's that was not, not his Changeling. movie. Uh, yeah, in he directed the Angelina Jolie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, he did Unforgiven and he did uh, Million Dollar Baby. Those are the two that he got. Yeah, I haven't seen Million picture Dollar and director for. Um, he also played Rowdy Yates in 217 episodes of Rawhide. That's I haven't seen any of that. <laughs> the writer here was Dennis Hacken. He wrote Wanda Nevada with uh, Peter Fonda and Brooke Shields that I know nothing about, and then he did this. 
And then he did No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan. Uh, he wrote those three movies. Sandra Locke, we talked about quite a bit. She was Antoinette Lilly, mostly Clint Eastwood movies. She was also Joan in Willard. And she directed and starred in a film called Rat Boy. <laughs> you ever heard of Rat Boy? No. Is that Willard? Pull up the trailer for Rat Boy right now. Cool. All right. Rat Boy. One word or two? One word. I think it was like 1985. Like Batman, but it's Rat Boy? Yes. Oh, God. Ugh. Watch this trailer. He's got a rat face, don't he? Big ugly snout and whiskers. No, no, you tell me, how many rat faces could there possibly be? By the time that press conference rolls around, I tell you, we get his hair cut, get him some help with his public speaking, he'll be great. He's gonna need more than a haircut and elocution lessons for crying out loud. <laughs> All you gotta do is like get a nose job, get your ears fixed, get your teeth fixed, shave some of that hair off your hands, and just be yourself. This little plan here is gonna take me all the way to the top. Is he really a rat? Hey, look, black boy is no phony. I go out, try to get girls for us. You know how hard it is trying to get a date for you? I tell you, the rat thing aside, he is a good dancer. He can do anything you want. He's an animal, right? He's creepy. You got to see what he looks like. People are gonna go nuts. He's gonna make me a fortune. It's like, like magic. Those whiskers, they're a part of you, Eugene. <laughs> you ugly. Well, of course you're ugly. Nobody said you weren't. But hey, maybe you got soul too. But he's very special. <laughs> Red boy. It's so hard to be different. Wow. She directed that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it reminds me of the Rick and Morty where they're watching TV from alternate universes and they find the <laughs> one where Jerry's a writer and director. And it's this terrible plot about a bunch of dead cats living in a corpse and then animating it to fall in love with this other guy. <laughs> it's like, it's like he sees the credits and goes, I wrote and directed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that movie exists. Wow. Boy. We'll get around to that in 85. But uh, it looks like kind of a mess. Got Louis Anderson. I have a feeling I understand why Warner Brothers turned down 30 <laughs> of her pitches in a row. <laughs> I want to know who picked that one up. Um, and the boy that plays Rat Boy in that trailer is like a 40-something-year-old woman. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's very weird. Anyway, Rat Boy aside, Jeffrey Lewis, John Arlington. Uh, he did seven films with Clint Eastwood, both of the Any Which Way movies, Pink Cadillac, High Plains Drifter, Thunderbolt, and Lightfoot. And uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which Eastwood directed but did not appear in. Scatman Crothers was Doc Lynch. He plays Dick Holleran in The Shining. Uh, he's Turkle in Cuckoo's Nest. He's Scat Cat in The Aristocats. And Hong Kong Fooey, as Hong we Kong mentioned. Hong Kong and Jazz and a bunch of voices. Um, and we will see him again uh, as Dexter Jones in Zapped. That's his next feature. So 1982. A couple years off. Uh, Bill McKinney was Lefty LeBeau. He played Marvin Dill in Carney. So uh, they, not only did they use the set, but they used some of the cast from Carney. Yeah. He's the train engineer in Back to the Future 3. He played Kern in First Blood, and he was a mountain man in Deliverance, not the mountain man. 
Sam Bottoms was Leonard James. He is the sibling of Ben, Joseph, and Timothy Bottoms, who were almost a part of Long Riders. Uh, he plays Lance Johnson in Apocalypse Now, and he was in an X-Files episode called Revelations. Do you remember that one? No, uh... He was the father of a kid that was experienced experiencing stigmata. Huh. And then uh, this weird like older bald guy tried to kidnap the kid because he was like going around finding people that were faking stigmata and killing them so but the father what the sam bottoms character was in like an asylum and they had to go like interview him there to see if he did it to his own son uh, walter barnes was sheriff Dix. he plays captain in pete's dragon he was tank murdoch in every which way but loose which is the first one but he's not in the second one and he's sheriff purdy in escape to witch mountain Woodrow Parfrey played Dr. Canterbury, and he was Mr. Jaffe and Dirty Harry, Maximus and Planet of the Apes. He was W.C. Hannon in Carney, so we have two members of the Carney cast, Mr. Gertner in Used Cars. Beverly McKenzie was Irene Lilly, who is Antoinette's mother Step or stepmother. Mother. She played Iris Carrington in 1,646 episodes of television across an, mostly Another World and then Texas. So two soap operas that had the same character. She was also Alexandra Spaulding in 113 Guiding Lights. And she played Myrna Slaughter in Four General Hospitals. So a lot of soap work. I really hope that she was a <laughs> doctor. In Myrna it... Slaughter? That's, <laughs> that's... It sounds like a uh, uh, Captain Planet villain. Well, <laughs> was it, wasn't there a G.I. Joe character named Sergeant Slaughter? Yeah, I think there was or, also, or a wrestler. Maybe there was a. I think there was a villain on Captain Planet that was called Dame Slaughter or Mame Slaughter. Sergeant um, Slaughter was a wrestler. So he was a wrestler. Okay. Uh, Doug McGrath was Lieutenant Wiker. He played Benchley in John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. He was Coach Warren in Porky's next year, and Spider Conway in Pale Rider with Clint Eastwood. Almost everyone in the in the full credits for this movie was in like at least five or six clint eastwood movies so yeah. i didn't bring up everybody chuck hicks here was the cowboy at the bar he was the guy outside that stopped lily after she walked past the first guy and i think he was the one on top of her when they were trying to rape her in the car he plays the brow in dick tracy he was tex senior in hood of horror he was the governor in johnny dangerously and we just had him in hide in plain sight as frankie irish which is the guy who keeps following him down the freeway and he's like oh what's the problem why do you care if i follow you what do i stink or something and he's like no just stop following me please he'll be back in raging bull in god we trust in any which way you can later this year so that's five for him uh michael reinbold was king i don't remember who king was king i think king was the head of the carnival who gives him the money okay oh yes cool. that is that is who that is um he will be back as officer with glasses in any which way you can later this year <laughs> so that's like one of seven people that are in both of these movies jerry wills was the bank robber they probably one, just one of the two bank at robbers. the same time don't you think i wouldn't be surprised i mean if they are just back to back if if so many people are in them maybe that's how they finished ahead of schedule they just used a bunch of extra short like when ends. you when you wrap today just head on over down the street we set up this circus tent we're gonna shoot the yep. rest of these scenes um jerry wills was one of the bank robbers but he's also a credited stuntman on this movie and he's the one who did the horse riding uh, because he also appeared in uh, mountain men as medicine wolf's uh, stunt horse riding allison eastwood was the child at the orphanage she'll be back later this year in any which way you can 
and she's also ha- had bit parts in a bunch of Eastwood stuff since then, obviously. Uh, Kyle Eastwood was the other orphan. He is a composer, weirdly, on a bunch of Clint Eastwood movies. <laughs> Merle Haggard was himself. He's a world-famous country singer. And George Went was the bartender. Yeah. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, it's an uncredited role, and I didn't even notice him in the movie. I, I mean, I did notice a curly-haired bartender, but I yeah. definitely didn't assume it was George Went. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, him from Cheers or House or Fletch, and he's Jason Sudeikis' uncle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, he chose Fletch as an option. Yeah, he's Fat Sam with Fletch. He's great. I wanted to bring up uh, another, not just Clint Eastwood regular, but also Western regular, uh, the mechanic, is Hank Warden. Oh, okay. Um, my favorite role of his is as Old Mose in uh, The Search John Wayne's The Searchers. Oh, okay. But he's also in many episodes of Twin Peaks as the bumbling old uh, waiter of the hotel. Uh, and I've every, never seen that show. Uh, every time he sees Kyle McLaughlin, he just kind of goes, I know about you. And like she wags his finger <laughs> at him. <laughs> it's just like every time he's on. I need uh, to check that out. Uh, but yeah, Hank Warden, uh, big old West actor. Tons of stuff. Fort Apache, Red River. Uh, but yeah, the searchers uh, is by far probably his most famous. Yeah, it only won a Golden Globe for newcomer. Oh, okay, Richard, is this an up or down for you? Uh, I. It's really difficult because it's not it's not bad, and I think if you're a Clint Eastwood completionist, like, because and again, look, we said <laughs> the gun to your head. Someone says, "Watch this movie." I guess watch it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like you said, the trivia and everything says that everyone loved working on this film, and they lo- it's like their favorite film. It's like, well, is there something that I'm not getting out of it? Um, it has to be them remembering being on set and having fun on set. Yeah, because it's very sloppily written. Yeah, I I'm gonna give it a down with an asterisk of because I'm probably gonna put it higher up on my list than than a lot of other things. Okay, but I mean, unless you really love Clint Eastwood movies. He's done better. Jess, up or down? Uh, I think I might actually give it an up. Okay. I don't think it was that bad. I mean, I, I think there was a lot of flaws in it that, that, you know, the story could have been a little bit clearer as to what the whole point of the movie was. Yeah. But, you know, it's definitely, it's capably shot. I think the acting was, was well done. You know, there wasn't anything in particular bad about it. It it could have It could have used some editing and and maybe maybe tightening it up a little bit would have made it clearer what the story was i feel like this works better as the first season of a show like it just feels like cheers like you just she's diane and she gets left with a bunch of weirdos and she just joins up with them and becomes a part of their weirdo cult gang and just goes you know performing from circus to circus but it's a slice of life movie though really like there's not a there's not an overarching story are you story accusing me of liking a slice of life no movie? i'm trying to turn you <laughs> against this film no I, I shouldn't be doing that but yeah i just um it's a down for me and it's not a hesitant down because and maybe it's a problem that when i see a movie immediately i'm like okay what's the structure here what is what is the goal what are we trying to work towards and when i can't figure that out for the first two hours of a two hour and 10 minute movie then that i feel like that's a problem maybe maybe it's good maybe it's refreshing because it's written differently than other movies are but in my head it was just frustrating because i was like i don't 
know who I'm supposed to care about. I don't know which character I sympathize with or I'm supposed to sympathize with or what I want for any of them. Like none of them have like goals that they speak out loud. None of them change over the course of this story. That literally the only person who changes is Lily and she changes on a dime to I don't want to have sex with this guy. I want to just have sex with him every second of every day. And the second he tells me that he's not interested or even walks away from me, I'm going to kill myself. It bothered me. Richard, where does this go on your list? Uh, I think I'm going to put this just below Mountain Men. Okay. Which is just above the Gong Show movie. All right. All right. I have a very similar position for this. It's it's towards the middle of my list it is just above the gong show movie and just below urban cowboy i am gonna put this just above windows and just below hero at large for me i think that's everything for this one if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us we are vintage video pod on twitter facebook instagram and letterboxd whereas i said before you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year we can also be found at vintagevideopodcast.com Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show, and if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through patreon.com slash vintagevideopodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing The Children, which IMDb describes like so. A nuclear plant leak turns a busload of children into murderous atomic zombies with black fingernails. Oh, I can't wait. That's a weird detail to put on the end. Yeah, I uh, I prefer the the '90s version, the Secret World of Alex Mack. <laughs> yes, I forgot about the black fingernails. Anyway, we leave you now with the trailer, if there is one, for the children. It's time you believed in a new kind of horror: the horror of the children. Something you wouldn't dare to imagine has happened to the children. Something beyond your worst fears. Jenny. Jenny, darling, is that you? Mama. Tommy! Something evil is happening, and it's happening inside the children. Thank you.